welcome to She Plus Me, a podcast that inspires and celebrates personal and professional growth. I'll be your host, Nora Bade, founder of She Plus Me, an educational lifestyle brand. After going through my own wild journey of discovering my most authentic self through mind, body, and soul, I've been discovering what it takes to find your passion and to live your most authentic life. This is the place to be to dig into real and raw conversations with radiant souls from everything natural beauty to holistic health, deep healing, personal growth, and building a purposeful life. Every single one of us has the ability to build extraordinary lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Welcome to another episode of She Plus Me, and today I'm sitting with Dr. Cox. Nicole is a naturopathic doctor, a registered dietitian, and a certified sports nutritionist, and I'm so excited to be diving into performance optimization and the human body. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Great. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about human optimization and you've been on my radar just in terms of everything that you know about the body, hormones, all the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into kind of, I want to go back into your childhood kind of. Tell me a little bit about growing up. Sure. So I grew up in uh, Coal Harbor and Moncton. Um, you could find me at the rink pretty well every day of the week. And then in the summer times, played a lot of soccer, volleyball, any sport you could imagine, basically. So my brother, <laughs> Opposite of me. <laughs> so my brother and I were just like sports fiends. Everything we did was sports oriented. Our parents were amazing. They just took us to so many events and just made sure that we had everything that we needed to play sports, basically. Um, school was... I enjoyed it. It was fine. I, I enjoyed it because I got to play so many sports. <laughs> Sounds obsessive in nature, but yeah, I had a great childhood. It was pretty awesome. Uh, my mom was a health fiend, which was pretty sweet. So I'm sure that's like the catalyst of why I am the way I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I remember her bringing, you know, special pieces of cake for us to birthday parties and stuff. So we weren't eating, you know, that ice cream. And I, it was pretty interesting. And, no and way. Yeah. Like, God love her for doing it now. But it was just uh, then you were like, what are, what is this woman doing? Yeah. But uh, my brother's six five and I'm six foot and we're extremely healthy. So yeah, I, I'd attribute a lot of that to her for sure. And so do you think that's kind of what guided you onto your path of being a naturopathic doctor? Or was that more so a sole choice that you picked for yourself? Yeah, it was it wasn't, it was on and off my radar for sure. So my brother had really bad eczema growing up. And like, Mm -hmm. I remember in his, his hockey year, it would get like really, really raw and stuff like that. And so many conventional like steroid creams and all that sort of stuff was not fixing it. So my mom took him to a naturopathic doctor and they cured it for him. No way. Yeah. Through a little bit of diet and lifestyle changes. So he was kind of good to go after that. And it was like horrible eczema. You could just imagine how bad it would be. Yeah. Um, so I knew what a naturopathic doctor was most of the time. That's where we would go first unless mm-hmm. there was an emergency, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of on my radar. And then I really wanted to be an artist, actually. Really? Yeah. So I was always drawing and um, painting. And as I had finished high school, I kind of wanted to go to NASCAD. Yeah. And my dad, the smart businessman that he is. <laughs> of course, we all have one of those. Exactly. He said, I'll pay for art school after you get a business degree. If that's still what you want to do. So as I got a little bit older, I kind of saw like, hey, it's tough to make a go as an artist. And once I finished business, dietetics 
athletics came on my radar. Mm -hmm. I finished business and I played hockey for Dal and it was kind of a whirlwind adventure. And after I was done, I was like, hmm, I want to do something like health wise. And I didn't know what path to take, but dietetics seemed to be a good option. There was, you know, you could be a sports specific dietitian and changing my nutrition had made quite an impact on my ability to, you know, function in a day as well. Yeah. So my mom kept it pretty regulated as a child. And then as soon as I was able to get off the reins, I did basically. Um, And then I kind of started to pull it back and saw again, the importance of nutrition. Yeah. It sounds like nutrition has always been kind of like the foundation of everything in your life, like growing up and your career and all of that. So I think nutrition is the number one thing that, well, most people lack or don't quite understand the importance of in terms of like the food you're eating and what you're pumping into your body. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild um, how like an underserviced or undereducated avenue nutrition is. And, and it shocks me sometimes, uh, like I'm saying basic stuff a lot in visits, but sometimes it's shocking for people in and I always have to remember that too, to not overcomplicate things a lot. So with human performance, we're always looking for the edge. But if you're not, you know, covering the basics, what's the point? Well, that is true. And, and when people think of hacking, they just think of an alternative method to like the foundational aspect of what you should be doing. It's as if like, for example, like the whole coffee versus like bulletproof. I remember when that was like a big thing and it just started coming up and most people were like, oh, I can, you know, drink my morning coffee and do my intermittent fasting and all of these like really, I don't know what you want to call them, hacks, trends. People love them. Some people hate them, but it's like whenever regular person doesn't know the science behind it or how it actually impacts your body, whether it be like a good thing or a bad thing. It's like, how do you implement that? And how do you know it's good for you as an individual versus like the collective? Definitely. And like the basics of nutrition don't fundamentally change too much. Like if we do the calculation on a bulletproof, it's like 456 calories. That's a breakfast. And then, you know, if your goal is weight loss, that's probably not the best breakfast for you, you know? Yeah. Um, So the individualization of nutrition seems to get lost in these these large fads that come about really don't work for everyone. And I think it's really unfair that, you know, the whole industry is just saying one size fits all and like that new uh, Game Changers documentary. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad it was made. And I think it's really important to educate people on the benefits of plant-based. But, you know, if you're going from burgers to, you know, more of a plant-based diet, of course you're going to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then on top of that, switching to plant-based, but going for those, you know, pro super processed faked burgers now. Yeah. Not healthy. I know. (laughs) So it's all relative and and it really comes down to what your goals are. So what I would tell an athlete would be completely different than what I would tell a weight loss patient Mm -hmm. would be completely different than what I would tell, you know, someone with chronic illness. Yeah. So how do you approach it in terms of when you do have a client, like what are the basic foundational elements that I will, will generalize it and say every individual should be incorporating in their life, the important aspects of a healthy individual, or in this case, optimizing performance, whether it be brain, body, physique, whatever the case may be. Sure. Sleep. (laughs) <laughs> Number one, always. I can to attest sleep. to this. I've my sleep has been horrible lately, and like brain fog to the max. 
tasks. Sleep is probably the most important to me. And most people think that I would say nutrition is, but sleep impacts our nutrition so much. There's so much research that comes out and says, you know, if you have a poor night's sleep, you're going to eat more the next day and make poor food choices. True, because you don't have the energy to make something for yourself or really put the effort. You just want something fast and easy. Definitely. And on a hormonal level, it's changing you. So your drives are going to change for what you want to put in your body the next day. Mm -hmm. So if we optimize sleep, I think it makes the biggest difference in the world for people. The tricky thing is, you know, North America is not (laughs) set up for a good sleep schedule. No, not at all. So what is the amount of sleep that you should be getting in a night? Yeah. So there's a lot of debate about that. (laughs) Definitely. And I think, again, it would be individualized. This whole podcast, you're going to get frustrated. It's just going to be, it depends the whole time. Um, But I think uh, it is very individualized. I mean, seven to eight hours would probably be ideal. But the tricky thing is people will say that they're getting seven to eight hours, but they're counting the time watching TV in bed and they're counting the time when they wake up in the morning and kind of roll over and hit snooze for an hour. You yeah. Know? So those aren't functional sleep hours. Yeah. You're just laying in bed, you know? Yeah. And so uh, interesting you say that. Um, I remember when I first got my Fitbit and it tracks your sleep and it tells you what levels of sleep you're in essentially, which I thought was mind blowing. Um, and it tells you essentially when you hit light sleep, REM, deep sleep, etc. So I know they say, is it deep sleep or REM that you're supposed to try and get the most? most of both. Oh, okay. Both of those. Yeah, definitely. So there's a, I mean, sleep is an ever evolving, you know, thing to research and we're learning more and more about it all of the time. But REM has so many beneficial properties and deep has so many beneficial properties and and optimizing one without optimizing the other is kind of doing a disservice to you too. So what, how can you optimize your sleep? Like what are the best remedies? Like for me, I use melatonin. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you should be incorporating in? Should you be using artificial? What would you call this? like hormonal. Yeah. Yeah. Like sleep aids and stuff. Yeah. Um, so for melatonin specifically, uh, it was researched through MIT, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And the research dose was 1.5 milligrams. Yeah. Our brain releases like 0.3 micrograms. Oh. So right. the amount <laughs> that we need to sleep is not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1.5 milligrams um, in research worked. The tricky thing is that was patented. So okay. no other company can make that dose. Yeah. Um, so what we're looking at on the market now is like three milligram, five milligram, and it's been touted as such an amazing sleep aid, but we're probably yeah. taking way too much of it. Probably. Yeah. I take two. And I actually can't even tell you what the grammage on that is. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> Which is probably bad. We're all overdosing, essentially. <laughs> um, and my usual goal is, again, the foundational changes that make sleep possible. So we're taking a sleep aid because we're not sleeping, but the, the real reason is because our circadian rhythm is off mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, most times what we're doing is watching a screen before bed or flipping through Instagram or whatever social media. So that's kind of a twofold issue. The first one is we're going to get a cortisol response from the blue light emitted from our screens. Mm -hmm. Cortisol works to suppress melatonin. Okay. So then we're not getting enough melatonin to get us into that sleep feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And melatonin is a darkness signal. It's not actually a sleep aid. So it just reminds your body, your brain that it's dark outside, which I I found that out a few years ago and I was like, huh, that's super interesting. Yeah, it is. You kind of just assume it's telling your body to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Which it is. Is, but in a way really, yeah yeah like indirectly kind of and then the other fold issue is we're searching through social media and we're looking at 
all of the have nots, right? Like everything we don't have, everything we want. And that stimulates a cortisol response as well. So we're kind of getting this like double fight or flight response before bed. I really love that you said that because that totally didn't even cross my mind, the whole have not and the cortisol level. And oh my gosh, this is like actually blowing my mind because whoa, that is true. Yeah. And on top of that too, I think I've never thought about this before, but about a month ago, I got a really important text at like 1045 at night. Yeah. And I've never thought about the, the timing of sending of information. Yeah. So that was right before I was about to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So I was either going to get that right before I went to bed or the first thing I got when I woke up, which is initiating that stress response. Yeah. You know, so I think we have to be if possible, mindful of when we're sending information as well. Yeah, that yeah. is so interesting. I really love that you said that. So I've been living a more mindful life in terms of uh, mindful eating, mindful, even the products that I use, whether it be skincare, whatever I'm using, um, being more conscious as to why I'm using it and what the purpose of it is and like the goal. And I just find it's created for me, at least a greater result in, I guess, my life in, in the aspect of I actually feel like I'm consciously aware of every aspect versus just mindlessly using things. That for me, I think is a new area that I've been exploring, like the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. For sure. And sleep is so so important. And we're kind of just disregarding it. Like if uh, Matthew Walker is one of the lead sleep researchers, and he had a comment that kind of blew my mind a little bit. He said, like, if sleep wasn't needed, we would have had an adaptation process out of it by now. Yeah. So if we, it's the most vulnerable position we'll be in, especially like back in the day when things were trying to eat us. You yeah. Know? So if we, um, if we didn't need it, we would have adapted out of that. Yeah. And the fact that we didn't, highlights the importance of it. What's funny is right now, especially with like the thriving startup entrepreneurship space, like that right now, it's the whole mentality of grinding until kind of, I don't know where it ends. Even once you reach success, you're constantly grinding to maintain that success. So Mm -hmm. there's this mentality and like this persona behind even being self-employed or being an entrepreneur that you have to kind of, you have to lose that balance of a healthy lifestyle to achieve achieve whatever it is you're striving for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Definitely. And I think um, forgoing those foundational things long-term is not functional. Like yeah. you will be in somebody's office at some point with, you know, under recovery, you won't be functioning at your optimal. And so many nights I remember studying in university and, and staying up all night and then my, oh my brain gosh. wouldn't work the next day. Yeah. Like what was the point of that? Yeah. I might as well have cut her short and then at least my brain could recall responses the next day. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, how many students are doing that right now? I recall that. And then even when you do that and you think you're actually digesting the information, you get to your exam or your test or whatever you're preparing for and you're just blanking out. A hundred percent. It's your brain needs rest. Yeah. It's just impossible without it, you know? And I think like just going back to Matthew Walker again, I think he said less than six hours, you're walking around legally impaired. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. My brother actually said this the other day. He said most accidents happen because people are tired, not Mm -hmm. because of impaired drinking and driving. Yep. And it's like a daylight savings time change. That day is usually the most accidents. Mondays are a pretty bad one for accidents. No way. That's crazy. It is really interesting. And and, uh, the other big thing about sleep is like we don't have any light dark signals as much anymore we work in offices like you could see this one doesn't even have a window yeah um so that i my body has no concept of Social what it's like views. outside yeah yeah and then we're not going outside much anymore especially in our winters no you know? so we have no processing information for our brain to say what is nighttime and mm-hmm. then in the evening we got 
big screen televisions. We have all the lights on in the house. We have just bombarded with light. So much stimulation. Right. And it's so confusing to our brain to say like, actually, you know, we should be by candlelight at night. And as soon as the sun goes down, like start dimming everything, you know? Yeah. So there's so many easy fixes that we can start to implement and like even red lights at night and and focusing on those things versus taking sleeping pills or you know, the melatonin and stuff. So for supplements with anything, I usually use them until you're at a capacity to implement the foundational things that you need. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So like for sleep until you can get a routine down so perfectly each night that feels really, really good, we can use melatonin because you have to sleep. Right? Yeah. So, and sometimes melatonin is really good to reset that circadian rhythm too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, there's either issues falling asleep or issues staying asleep. Yeah. And if it's staying asleep, how I dose melatonin is right before, like when you wake up in the middle of the night, that's when I take it. Oh, interesting. Again, darkness. I've never, yeah, yeah, but I've never heard it being used that way. Yeah, definitely. I normally take it. So how I use it and tell me if this is the right way or not, but I normally take it around Okay, so my sleep schedule, like I said, was has been horrible. So I normally don't fall asleep till like one o'clock. Which is <laughs> I know. <laughs> Makes me cringe. <laughs> but I take it at like seven thirty, eight thirty. So so it could signal, I guess, to my body that I'm like trying to fall asleep. And then when I do take it, normally I fall asleep by ten thirty, eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, versus when I don't take it, I don't fall asleep until one. Definitely. So I think like there's foundation and I'm assuming you're working in the evening time. Is that what yeah. you're doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on your screen, you know, yeah. so all of our Netflix. Things, yeah. Yeah. And all of those things are like, it's almost like a, a game that you're playing. You're taking melatonin, but then you're spiking cortisol and then melatonin is trying to bring my body up right now. <laughs> yeah. And this is like a perfect time for a disclaimer probably here to say yeah, like, seriously. this is not medical advice. Please yeah. do not no. take anything that I say without seeing a uh, professional or your health professional that you trust. Yeah. And I mean, it's an opportunity to for you to come see Dr. Coates because clearly she knows her shit. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, and there's so many things that go into sleep and even like waking up in the morning, the first thing we do is hit snooze. Yeah. Right? And for snooze, it's um, a dysfunctional next cycle of sleep. So you're going to wake up groggier. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no one that hits snooze and then gets up and it's like, wow, yeah, that, I that five great. minutes was amazing. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's so many things that we can do. And then um, since our light rhythms are off as well, like the most important thing you could do as soon as you wake up in the morning, flood your eyes with sunlight because that resets that cortisol awakening response to say, this is the time I wanted to get up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can't bank sleep either. You can't be like, I'm not going to sleep during the week so I can grind it out and then just sleep all day on the weekend. It doesn't work like that. And you just need to go to bed and wake up at the same time as consistently as possible. And so I heard too that if you do end up losing sleep in one night, you're essentially supposed to keep maintaining the same cycle. Like say, for example, you're falling asleep or going to bed at 10 o'clock and then the next night you don't fall asleep or you don't go to bed till 12. You're not supposed to be like, oh, I'm going to sleep earlier tonight because I lost XYZ amount of hours. Yeah. And that's kind of like that that sleep bank. Like you just can't really make it up. If you lose it, it's gone, which is really sad. It is. (laughs) It's actually making me sad because there is this concept of like, oh, you can catch up on sleep whenever. You can't. And um, most of us in when we talk about optimization, it's like, how good could you actually feel, right? Yeah. So most of us, or most of the people that come see me, obviously they're here for a reason, but a lot of them are walking around like zombies. Yeah. Everyone's burnt out. Everyone's tired. Like it's yeah. a vicious cycle. 
It is. So let's talk about burnout. I'm glad you brought that up for anyone who's experienced burnout. I mean, I don't really know how to explain it because once you experience it, you know the feeling. Yep. So what are like your recommendations in terms of combating burnout, preventing it and also coming back from it? Sure. Sleep. <laughs> Too easy, hey? I know, um, eh? So for burnout, um, I feel like there's such a negative connotation to stress. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gets battered. Stress, oh, I'm so stressed. It's such a, I'm so stressed. You know what I mean? Like I hear that constantly. And stress keeps us alive. It mm-hmm. keeps our motivation going. It keeps our blood sugar response going. It keeps that drive and hunger in us to be able to start a podcast or do whatever we want to do in a day. Yeah. Um, and again, we can get to this point where we're overstressed, but I think like we still have to see stress as a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And even that connotation towards it of being such a negative puts more negative stress in the system. Yeah. So I think what I usually use instead of the word burnout, and I know I just said it, but I call it uh, under recovery. So all the aspects that go into recovery, including sleep, including uh, food and including exercise Mm -hmm. um, are usually what I work on and potentially, you know, some supplements to bring you back. Yeah. So if you're so far gone that we can't do it through nutrition or you just don't have the capacity to get there, then we'll have to bring you back and then give you the foundational tools to start to keep going or to not let yourself get under recovered again, essentially. Um, So that uh, application works really well for athletes. They Mm -hmm. kind of really understand that concept because even overtraining, like technically our body's capable of amazing things. Yeah. It's not that you can't do it. Like we've heard crazy stories of like David Goggins running the most insane races and human abilities of just being above and beyond what we ever thought was possible, right? Yeah. So we are capable and technically overtraining is just like a disservice to what you're capable of. Yeah. Whereas under recovery, if we fuel you appropriately, if we get the right sleep in place, and if we get the right uh, exercise regime for you, you should be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. My thought is. Yeah. You know, so what I really focus on is, again, those foundational things that are going to make all of the difference in the world for you. And as you said, like that under recovery or burnout feels horrible. You're not yourself. You're more apt to be angry. You start to notice uh, period dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Um, All of these things start to come into play and it's really difficult to pull yourself out of that if you don't have the tools right yeah but we set ourselves up to fail a lot of times too because as you had talked about that entrepreneurship mentality is grind until you can't anymore what is the point of that well exactly and you don't even end up enjoying what you're building because half the time you're you know either i mean going back to you're stressed or you're thinking about what you need to be doing next or how am i going to maintain it etc like you're constantly on to the next thing where you're not even being present in what you are achieving definitely and like I think that's also a mentality thing and that's what fuels your body. If you can even celebrate your small successes, now I need to cut down on sleep. Now I need to do this. And it's funny because that's often the first thing we eliminate. It's like, as soon as you're like, I have a deadline, you're like, all right, I know I'm staying up late. Yeah. It's not like, okay, maybe I should rest and then wake up early, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting because that's, it's just, I think it's a social grooming. Like we've just adopted it. Like, I don't know. It's interesting. So it's like, how do you shift that mindset? Yeah, it's difficult. (laughs) And it's a work in progress. And even for myself, like I know all of the rules and I still do it. You know what I mean? So I think it's just that mindfulness piece of wanting to change too. Yeah. And I love that you said celebrate the small wins because that's what I talk about all day, every day, essentially in here. Because if you don't, like we're making to-do lists that are impossible to complete in a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then you're like, 
no one ever looks back at that to-do list and says, oh my gosh, look at all that I got done. All Every, you look at is look how much I didn't get done. hundred percent. And yeah. that, that's what you go to bed with. And that's what you wake up with the next day. So you're starting out at a 10 and a 10 already, yeah. full of anxiety. Your appetite starts to go away. So you're not going to make good food choices the next day. And you wake up, yeah, like fight or flight every day. And that initiates that cortisol release again. And then it's just not setting us up for success for the future. No, it's so true. And okay, let's talk about hormones for a second, because unless you really read into, you know, cortisols and REM and deep sleep, want to quickly go over some of the important, I guess, hormones that you should be at least keeping your eye on or tracking. Sure. So there is so many things at play here. There is a hormone released by our hypothalamus called gonadotropin releasing hormone. That guy goes to our pituitary and says, hey, release FSH and LH. Those guys go down to our ovaries and say, hey, release estrogen and progesterone. There's another hormone from our hypothalamus that's called gonadotropin inhibiting hormone. And any stress in our life, any under eating, any threat to our environment is going to initiate that gonadotropin inhibiting hormone, which goes to gonadotropin releasing hormone and says, stop doing your job, essentially. (laughs) So this whole interplay would be any sort of stressors that we're under is going to have period dysfunction down the line somewhere. And this is what I see constantly, and especially with female athletes, because they're putting so much pressure on their body to perform every day. And when I listen to some training schedules, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And that's the the point of the under recovery piece. Like the part of the recovery is rest days mm-hmm. and everyone always thinks bigger, stronger, faster, better, right? Mm-hmm. So when I implement rest days for athletes, it's a game changer for them. And when I implement enough food for them, so most female athletes, and it's starting to become a lot in the male population as well, that we're not getting enough protein and we're not getting enough calories. And if you're at a caloric deficit for the output that you're trying to do, it's going to become a cortisol imbalance and it's going to become, you know, undernutrition, which initiates that response to tell your body to start shutting down those um, sex hormones. Yeah. And same thing goes for testosterone with guys too. And it all comes down to essentially sleep, nutrition, and lifestyle. Yeah. I wish there was like this, I think everyone sits there and looks at me as if I learned some sort of, I don't know, magical thing that's going to change. (laughs) And unfortunately- they're at least hoping that there is some sort of secret or key to it. Yeah. Because it's, that's what you live like, okay, well, there's something that's going to come out. Well, especially nowadays, there's something that's going to come out that's going to just totally revolutionize my life. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the solution to all. Yeah. And, and I'm really interested in those optimization techniques like cool IVs or new supplements on the market or like brain boosters and stuff. And I do all the research of the biohacking and I love all of that stuff, but like, I'm not wasting your money on it. I'm not going to take you from, you know, eating cheeseburgers every day and then be like, try this. It's going to change your life. You you have to have everything foundationally at a baseline and then we can go to that stuff. That's Mm -hmm. like the next level. Yeah. You know, and integrating it into your lifestyle slowly. I think that's what also everybody tries to implement they go from zero to 100 kind of like whether you're going to the gym or eating healthy you're like okay now I'm totally trashing everything I ate and I'm just gonna eat you know healthy greens fruits veggies whatever you name it and it's like a complete contrast where I think at least you're also kind of shocking your body Mm -hmm. where it's like it's not used to that and your body's like whoa okay what's new (laughs) definitely and then digestion gets off because Mm -hmm. you know vegetables can be hard to digest yeah I'm glad you 
said that. They're so important, obviously. Yeah. But like, if you're going from zero to 60 for a nutrition change, like let's ease into it. Let's yeah. nail breakfast. Yeah for a couple weeks, then we look at a really good lunch, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the restriction piece, as kind of you were talking about, is so detrimental. Yeah. It's not long-term successful. And I see it with weight loss patients day in and day out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I know I have a few peers that do that where they'll just go to Supplement King or you name it, like a health store near them. And they'll just stock up on all the quote unquote healthy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they're pumping their body with it. And they're like, oh yeah, this is great protein. Now I'm going to pump my body with essentially synthetic protein versus real protein. Yeah, And it's just like, I get it nowadays, you know, I guess you could say beef is now pumped with steroids and hormones and all of that. But it's like, geez, like where, you know, like, yeah. I think anybody is um, so overwhelmed. So it's just like the basics, like in this case, are protein powders better than, you know, real meat or? Yeah, that's a really tough call. And then it, again, it depends, like, what is your price point? What is it more important to get protein into you versus, you know, what type of protein it is? What's your timeline like? So for athletes, especially if they're um, going to school as well, like they're in class all day yeah. and then they don't really have time to cook meals and then they have practice in the evening and then games on the weekend. Yeah. So we have to find something that is going to get the nutrients that they need. Yeah. Um, and like meal prep is huge for that, but sometimes there's not time to do yeah. all of that sort of stuff too. And, and a lot of times for athletes that I work with, and this does apply to the general population as well as like, what is your capacity? Mm -hmm. Can you cook? If not, then we have to tailor things specifically to that. Yeah. Have you ever made lasagna before? Yeah. If not, and I put it on a meal plan, you're going to fail. Yeah, that is true. You know, so it has to be so individualized and so tailored to the person in front of you. And that's why like ever so slightly these six week plans or all that sort of stuff kind of drive me nuts. Yeah, I get it. I get the concept. I know you want to lose weight in the six weeks and I know you want body composition changes. So I do respect that. But like most times for weight, it took you a lot longer than six weeks to get like that. You yeah. Know? And it's that same mindset of, you know, self-care and self-worth and self-confidence. Like we've told ourselves the same story for so long that I'm lazy or I'm ugly or whatever that sentence is for like 25 years. Yeah. Now you have to take the new sentence that you're mm -hmm. creating and say it to yourself every day, probably for another 25. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because it's true. You can't just overnight shift your mindset no. and it's not going to happen. And even if you do, I mean, you might be good for five days, but that old routine, that old conditioning, is going to come back and you're going to repeat the same old sentences or whatever the case may be right back to yourself. And then it's, it's a yo-yo effect. It is. And especially with uh, diet changes as well. Like the, you know, I could make you lose weight in 30 days. What happens on day 31? You restricted so much that you want Vandal's donuts. You want <laughs> oh whatever, you know, and <laughs> I get true. that. Yeah. So why about small incremental changes over time where you built a lifestyle that is now extremely cohesive with what you do on a daily basis. And a lot of times for uh, weight loss as well, like we need a why. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing And same with business. You need a why for to keep you in those dark days yeah. motivated. You yeah. Know? So I think a lot of times, yeah, I get, I'm totally confident I can give somebody a plan to lose weight in 30 days. I mean, that's not the issue. If you stick to what I tell you to eat, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. Likely, unless there's some sort of hormonal dysfunction. Yeah. But again, day 31, where yeah. are you at now? 
Hmm. I, I, I really like that. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Because whatever you're trying to implement, even nowadays, the whole, you know, journaling every day and meditating every day. It's like so many people are trying to adopt these like taboo in their life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, like I heard so and so is incorporating this and especially social media, like that's going back to the have nots. Mm-hmm. Like I think as individuals, we kind of look at people we aspire to be like, and we try to incorporate their lifestyle. Yeah. And then going back to your personalization point, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work if you're not anything like them. You're essentially setting yourself up for failure. Definitely. And you're putting so much pressure and all of those play a factor because then you're just like repeating those same sentences. Okay, well, you know, so-and-so did it. Why can't I? And then it's just a, a cycle of negativity and a lot of pressure and a lot of like mental and physical like unhappiness. Yeah. And it's that comparison piece that is so detrimental to us. Like I always use the word resonate. So for journaling, like a lot of people ask, where do I start? And I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be like, dear diary, today was a beautiful <laughs> I, day, you know? I always say that. Yeah. And then like, even the words that you use, like affirmational words, like if you've just heard them on the back of a book somewhere and they mean nothing to you, mm-hmm. what is that inspiring? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like you have to just figure out what resonates with you. What is your why? And what's again, going to keep you going throughout the duration of time because it doesn't get easier no if anything it'll test you and like your skills and the tools that you have yeah it's if it really doesn't resonate with you then shit no matter how much you do it's not gonna help yeah it's not gonna make a difference and if it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle like if you travel all the time and you but there's a million ways around things like i had a guy in here the other day and he was just like i i write all day long for my work and Mm -hmm. I don't want to write anymore. I was like, well, get a tape recorder and go for a walk in the woods and say it. You know what I mean? And with a lot of the the journaling and recording of information, it's yes, it's therapeutic to write things out, but the real value is looking back on that and saying, Mm -hmm. what, what's this? What, what am I going to pull from this? Was this like an abstract thought? Is there some sort of idea here that I can, you know, take and move forward with? Mm -hmm. And that's where all the value comes from, not necessarily writing it out. Yeah. Well, and the growth that comes from it. I think going back to, you know, like the celebrating small wins and even us and as individuals, we don't realize how much we've grown and changed as people. And everybody kind of looks at change or has a preconceived notion that change is a bad thing and they don't want to change. But most often change is what helps and you know, facilitates growth and success and, you know, just personal, I guess, journey. But so many people just are fearful of change. And it's so interesting too. Like when we look at weightlifting, so if you lifted 10 pounds every day Mm -hmm. for the next year and you're going to the gym and you're doing your thing, there's no growth. Like maybe in the first couple of weeks, if you couldn't lift 10 pounds, but the real growth and adaptation comes from putting yourself under pressure or putting that muscle under pressure, right? Mm -hmm. And then letting it kind of do its thing. So that's the same thing with everything that we do. You, you got to get a little bit uncomfortable. You got to step outside that zone. And I know you've heard this a million times, but it's true. So how, how can someone step out, outside of their comfort zone? Like that all comes back to your why. Like, why are you on planet Earth? <laughs> what do you want out of this life? What kind of partner do you want? What kind of job do you want? What are your work hours that would be ideal? And I think like most of us, from my perspective, and I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to other people, on a bad day, I'll go home, throw the television on, blackout, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Because if not, I'd have to really think 
about why it's a bad day or what's going on in my life or why are things really challenging right now. And I think we have so many distractions that it's very easy for us just to float Mm -hmm. and not really get that adaptation or the appropriate adaptation for what we're trying to achieve in life. Yeah. So I think what we have to do is figure out what we want to achieve in life, yeah. which certainly isn't easy, but you you don't have to have like, I'm going to be a doctor by the age of 25 at that, that, that. maybe, maybe so, but yeah. that can also change along the way. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And we can change every day of what we want it to be. Mm -hmm. But I think you got to start looking towards what that's going to look like. Even the characteristics you'd like to see in yourself, like who do you want to be in five years? What does this person do? You know? Yeah. And then from there, you can make a game plan to get there, which is essentially what I send everyone home with. Like most people sit here and they have no idea what they want or that 35 to 45 year old adult female who was a mom and raised kids and mm -hmm. kind of lost their identity a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. so true. I really love that you said that because that resonates with me deeply because my mom is a single mom, an immigrant, and she came here with nine kids. Like God bless her soul as a widowed mother. Mm -hmm. And so she had to raise nine kids all on her own. I mean, two years apart between all my siblings, she really didn't have a whole lot of room to really work on herself. But now where we're all growing up doing our own thing, it's like, I see it. I don't know if she experiences it. I can only imagine. But she has that loss of identity because she was this mother. Mm -hmm. And that's all she knew. Mm -hmm. Every day, that's all she did. And really, she didn't pour herself into, you know, work. I mean, work is one thing. But you know, a purposeful, like a passion, a career, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. There is a difference between a job and a career. And she never did that for herself. So it's like that little window of who am I? And I think whatever age you're at, you can experience that who am I stage. Yep. And it's honestly really scary. I mean, I've experienced it already. Mm -hmm. And it's once you don't know yourself or even your worth, and it really is like trying to build that up is a whole nother journey in and of itself. And it's like a lot of people don't want to deal with it because it is scary. It will break you down and like you feel like you're shattered. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the best stage for anyone to be at because that is where you're building your success. Like, that's the adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> that is the process, right? And, yeah. And it's difficult and trying and uncomfortable and could change relationships and could change friendships. And it's hard. It's so hard. And, and you it, initially see it as a negative thing because you you don't want it to change. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, where do I start? Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't know any of the answers. I'm literally just speaking from the people that sit here and I'm so fortunate to gain such experience from their pain points. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and for those women, like it also terrifies me a little bit because they worked full time. They come home and raise all of the children, they, and men help too, for yeah. sure. I'm not saying that. Um, cook all of the dinners, wake up, do it all again the next day, run to the rinks, run to whatever they have to do. And then once that's over, it's like, well, I don't remember what made me happy or I don't remember what sparked joy in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, um, and there's, it's hard. There's not really time to like, yeah, go to a painting class or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever it is you, yeah. you like doing, but if it's singing, like sing in the shower a little bit, like don't lose all of it. Yeah. I think. Um, and going back to like how to get started, you can't start from a place of being extremely unhealthy yeah. either. So even if it's like, maybe day one is lemon water in the morning mm -hmm. and it sounds silly, but then 
the initiation or the thought process there is I'm taking care of myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and going from there. Great. I've mastered water every day. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. And doesn't mean you're finding deep soul searching answers for the problems that you're facing or for the life that you want to live. But it's like, I value myself enough to start to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of usually where I start with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I think self-care is definitely the number one thing. If you're not giving time to yourself, then you're not, you're not capable to give time to anybody else. Definitely. My thoughts at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a huge issue. And then we get into that, you know, under recovery type of picture again. Mm -hmm. So it's a vicious circle that goes around (laughs) and around and around. Yeah. So what are some tools and um, some things that any regular person can just quickly implement in their life? And by quickly, I mean, without going out of their means or beyond any other extra steps. Exhale. Long, (laughs) slow exhales. And it sounds so funny to say, but most of us are breathing with our accessory neck muscles. Mm -hmm. So we're not taking full, deep breaths. And if you notice anyone who's ever stressed out, they sigh. Yeah, that is true. Their body's trying to reset. Their body's trying to calm the system down. And exhaling release of CO2 is the best way to calm your nervous system down. That's really interesting. I mean, if you haven't heard in my last episode, I learned how to breathe for the first time. Amazing. (laughs) But it's true. Like, I don't know. I always saw it in myself and I'm like, I feel like I'm shallow breathing. And even when you're meditating or yoga or wherever you're going and they're like, now deeply inhale and you're like doing it and you're like, I'm like out of breath already. But it's because your body's just not used to it. I mean, sounds really simple, but I think a majority of people don't know how to breathe. Definitely. And it plays into so many things. So if we don't breathe, functionally all day we're deoxygenated yeah so our brain's not getting the same amount of oxygen that it should so it's not working optimally mm-hmm. on top of that we have what maybe 15 minutes to a half hour for lunch we're shoving food into an unprepared gut system yeah so we can't digest food so we're getting bloated and gassy and not using not having bowel movements because when we're in fight or flight or when we're stressed out there's no blood flow going to our digestive system mm-hmm. then we're shoving food on top of that while doing work at our computer. Yeah. So there's just like, we've set ourselves up for such failure almost. Yeah. And there's small, small things we can do every day to initiate the digestive process by Mm -hmm. like three deep breaths before you eat a meal. Yeah. And being consciously thankful for the food that's going into you. Yeah. You know? And actually chewing and like, where was it? I read that you're actually supposed to chew something 20 times before you swallow it. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine you did that. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I think I actually tried and I was like, wow, this is a long process. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. And there's science behind that because if we chew food, all of these digestive enzymes start to get released from our mouth, which primes our stomach to say, hey, food's coming. Yeah. Whereas right now we're just shoveling it in and... Our body's not ready for it. Yeah. It's still in fight or flight, not in rest and digest. Then we're feeling uncomfortable for the rest of the day. If we took a little bit more time to be mindful about the food that we're putting into our body, we might make better food choices too. Looking down and chewing a piece of a whatever Dorito 20 times, you'd be like, yeah. was this really worth it? <laughs> Versus know. being so distracted and just needing something. Yeah. You know? So there's so many things that we can implement that are super easy, like lemon water first thing in the morning. Like our livers are taxed. Mm-hmm. There's so many medications, there's so many supplements, there's so many um, environmental toxins and pollutants. And if we support our liver, even with a little bit of lemon water, it would be a game changer. We're taking things so far out of context sometimes and saying like, oh, naturopath is, you know, phony or like it's mm-hmm. not actual medicine and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, sure. Like, but for, you know, prevention, it's so important, you yeah. know, and, and everyone's going to have their own beliefs. And that's why I say, okay, sure. I'm not going to fight it on this because I'm only 
going to convince the people that are already convinced. Exactly. You, know, you can only do be, so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So if if it's on somebody's radar, I definitely recommend to go talk to a naturopath. There's so many things to offer, right? But on top of that, yeah, it is really the foundational things. And for sleep, like I need you to bore yourself to sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't want you searching the interweb for the coolest next thing. That's not the time for it. I don't want you reading Stephen King's newest book. That initiates the stress response. You're in suspense, you know? And like, we're watching, I don't know, ER or whatever show before bed. Like, that stimulates us. Even Netflix leaving us on a cliffhanger stimulates us, you know? So I literally need you to find the most boring thing or get a really good breathwork practice before bed to start to implement because you have to sleep. And that's the foundation. That's when our body regenerates. That's when it cleans everything. That's when it heals everything. So that would probably be my main one. My biggest one. So to sum it all up, sleep, nutrition, and just overall lifestyle. Find out what works for you. Definitely. Stop trying to force it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And start slow. Yeah. That's all you need. So where can people find you for more information and to connect with you? Definitely. So on Instagram, I'm at at sportsdoccoaks. And then I work at Proactive Health and Performance Center at uh, 26 Acreley. So, and I also do free uh, 15 minute consults for people if they just want to see if we jive, like make sure you get a health professional that you trust, get along with and feel comfortable sharing information with. Thank you so much for listening. Want more? Don't forget to subscribe and to leave a comment below. Stay connected by following us on Instagram at shimi.co.